I'll show one more thing in history. Now let me move to some of the topics. Silsala, Tariqa, Sheikh, Baya, Fana, Baka, Ibn Arabi, Al-Halaj, Wahdatul Wujud, Kashf, Ilham. Right? We have quite an agenda for today. <laughs> quite an agenda. Number one, Tariqa. What are these Tariqas? These Silsalas, somebody calls themselves Qadri, somebody says I'm Naqshbandi, somebody says I'm Jishti. What is this? What's the need for all this? Alright. Let me tell you in history how these labels started. And again, remember what I told you yesterday. We are concerned with realities. Right? We, don't, we don't mind labels. Somebody calls me a Sunni, I don't get upset. I know I'm just a Muslim. But by Sunni they mean somebody who doesn't believe Amma Aisha is an unbeliever. I say, yeah, I'm Sunni, definitely. If that's how you choose to define the reality, put that label on me. I'm just a Muslim, but you call me a Sunni and you say by Sunni I mean somebody who believes Sayyidina Abu Bakr Shaddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu was rightly and righteously the first Khalifa. I said, that's the reality? I said, well, put that label on me because I have that reality. The asal is the reality. Somebody has the label and doesn't have the reality is nothing. So let's take an example, Qadri. Chalo. Where did this term come from? Why did this term start? Why do people, why are people called Qadri? Why do people call themselves Qadri? I'm not talking about any particular, by the way. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody right now alive. Alright. Uh, actually, and I think a lot of people have that name who are not actually true representatives of Shaykh Amda Qadir Jalani Rahimahullah Ta'ala. So how does this work? Shaykh Amda Qadir Jalani Rahimahullah Ta'ala, let's go back to his time. He is a Shaykh of Tasawwuf, no doubt. Everyone in the Muslim Ummah knows when you say Shaykh and Shaykh Abdul Qadir you're not saying Shaykh al-Hadith or Shaykh al-Tafsir. Everybody knows that when you call him Shaykh, you're calling him Shaykh of Tasawwuf, right? And everybody knows Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani took bath and Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani had murids and he taught them zikr. That's historical fact, right? Now let's comment on that process. How did that process start and how did the label start? And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ibn Taymiyyah as well. So Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani lived in Baghdad. And what does he do? What is he doing? What does Shaykh do? What does Shaykh do? So there's a masjid in classical period of Islam. All learning was centered in the masjid. And outside the masjid there would be a courtyard and there would be rooms that would be built around the courtyard. If the person who was the lead instructor of that masjid was let's say an imam of hadith, such as Imam Bukhari, giving dars of hadith in the masjid, then that courtyard and the rooms around it would be called a madrasa. If the person who was the sheikh of that masjid was giving a dars on tasawwuf tazkiyah, on tazkiyah and zuhud and ihsan and love for Allah and zikr, then the courtyard, the rooms around the courtyard were called a zawiyah or a khanka in Persian. How would this work? So we're going to take our two friends here, Asif Misbah and Muhammad Ali. Asif Misbah is a student of Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani. But just like any other Muslim, he is also earning a halal livelihood. So he's a businessman, he's a tradesman. So he leaves Baghdad and takes his trade caravan to Damascus. Now back then the way trade worked was that you would travel, it would take you a few weeks to reach Damascus and you would pitch up your tent and you would stay there for a month or two and you would be trading. 
you would be buying goods, selling goods, etc. You would be trying to acquire goods from Damascus that you would then take back to Baghdad and sell over there. So Muhammad Ali is a young man who is also a businessman in Damascus. And he starts engaging in trade with this caravan that has come from Baghdad. Muhammad Ali and Asif become friends because in the course of their trading. And like classical and contemporary Arab hospitality, Muhammad Ali invites Asif Misbah to his house for dinner. When Asif Misbah is at his house for dinner, he's now off duty. Now he's not going to talk about the different fabrics and spices of Iraq and Syria. Now he's going to talk about the passion of his heart, like anybody does. He's going to start talking about Allah, about the Prophet about ibadat, about shukr, about sabr, about dhikr. And every now and then he's going to also mention a shaykh. He's going to say, Allah subhanahu wa says this in the Quran, the Prophet said this hadith, and my teacher Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani, he explained it to me this way, and he said this, and so Muhammad Ali is listening, and Muhammad Ali is getting interested and attracted. But then it comes time for Asif Misbah's caravan to go back. And then when Asif is going back, Muhammad Ali says, you know, I wish I could come with you and meet that Shaykh who taught you all those things that you shared with me. So Asif Misbah says, come along. So Muhammad Ali says, okay, he thinks about it, goes to his parents, he sees that he can fulfill all the obligations, he can leave for a period of time, and so many people travel and leave for the sake of the dunya. So he decides to travel and travel for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to learn how to purify his heart. So he goes back. So he goes back with Asif and travels a few weeks and arrives in Baghdad. Now he doesn't come there to hear one bayan of Shaykh. If he traveled a month, he's going to stay for a few months. So he says, I've come from Damascus and I've come to spend some time. He's allotted a room in the Khanka. He's given the keys to a room around the courtyard of that masjid. He is told that, okay, the Shaykh gives these and these lectures. And this is your schedule of ibadat. You're going to pray tahajjud. You're going to read so much juz, so many parts of the Quran. You're going to do so much du'a, so much zikr, istighfar, durud, salawat. He's given a schedule. He's now in training. He starts following that schedule. When it's time to eat, he goes and sits on the dastakhan, which you call langar in South Asia. He eats collectively. He sits in the bayan, sits in the zikr, etc., etc. Time passes and now Muhammad Ali, obviously, a person changes. Just like we try to change when we go on Umrah, when we try to leave, do some type of hijra. Hijra is part of our deen. Whether it's hijra from Makkah, Makkah, to Medina, Manawara and seclusion, khalwa is part of our deen. That's itikaf. The whole purpose of itikaf in Ramadan is khalwa. Is that no matter all of the barakah of Ramadan, no matter all of your fasting, if you really want to get the maximum curb to Allah, khalwa. Sit in itikaf. So that's a kind of nafal itikaf that he's doing in that masjid. Few months pass and Shaykh Abdul Qadir Janani ta'ala, calls Muhammad and says, You know, Muhammad, it's enough now. It's time for you to go home. Whatever you came to learn, you've learned it. Whatever I have to offer, I've offered it. Whatever needed to be shared has been shared. Muhammad Ali goes back to Damascus. Oh, now we need a few more boys. Tell him Muhammad Ali is a friend in Lams called Omer. So when Muhammad Ali comes back to Damascus, he had a friend Omer. Omer looks at him, he's totally changed. Oh, Muhammad Ali is praying tahajjud, he's calling the, he's the muadzin of Fajr Salah in the masjid of Damascus. He's a changed person. Omer looks at him, so what happened to you? Omer says, I went to, oh, Muhammad Ali says, I went to Baghdad. Sheikh, what happened to me? See this about the Sheikh. Sheikh happened to me. Sheikh Amdakal Jai happened to me, he changed my life. Kunu ma sadiqeen has an effect. Allah ta'ala vesaneka. Kunu ma sadiqeen is going to have an effect. 
Omer says that, you know, you were short-tempered before, now you're so soft, now you're so generous, his mother is so happy, mother is giving Sheikh du'as, that you, my son is such a noble son now. So now Omer gets more interested than what Omer says to Muhammad Ali, that look, you know, I can't go to Baghdad because I'm the only son, my mother's a widow, I can't leave her. So I can't go and meet Sheikh. Is there any way that whatever you heard from Sheikh, you can share it with me? And Muhammad Ali says, no problem. Why not? Obviously, then Muhammad Ali teaches Omer. He mentions Quran, mentions Sunnah, and keeps mentioning what the Shaykh taught and expounded. Then Omer starts to change. Then, the way that Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani told Muhammad Ali to do Nafil Zikr, Muhammad Ali shares that with Omer. Omer starts doing that Nafil Zikr. And Omer starts to change. Then let's say Omer has another friend. Fahad. So Fahad goes to Omer and Fahad is now it. Fahad can't take it. Omer, dude, what happened to you? And Omer says that, oh, I've been spending time with Muhammad Ali, spent time in Baghdad, this and that. Then Fahad says, oh, you've become a Qadri. Iknam lagya. Acha. Tu bhi kadri ban gaya. Nei samne. You've also become a person who has become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is following a life according to the Quran, Sunnah and Sharia thanks to the teachings of Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani rahimahullah ta'ala. So the word kadri is not a sect. The Arabic word for sect is firqa. It means creed, theology. It's not a creed. It's just an affiliation. I'll give you an example. The Lum students, when they graduate, they call themselves Luminites. It's just a word to denote a shared affiliation with a collective set of teachers, the institution of Lums. So when Fahad calls Omer and Muhammad Ali and Asif Qadri, he's simply saying that, yes, these are the people who chose to do Amal on the Tizkiyah branch of Islam while being guided and tutored in that by Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani, Rehmullah Ta'ala. That's it. That's all the word Qadri means. It means nothing more. If it is held to mean anything more, it is incorrect. If it is held to mean some type of beliefs or cult or group or sect or society, it is wrong. But obviously, when you share teachers, there's a sense of affiliation. That's everywhere in the world. We have Achesonians and Grammarians and Luminites and Abdalians and Orbiotai, right? That doesn't mean that they're, the Achesonian the, the doesn't view the Grammarian as some less of a Muslim. As far as their Islamic bond goes, that is untouched. An Achesonian is as much a fellow Muslim with a Grammarian as he is a fellow Muslim with his fellow Achesonian. But he's still going to put the bumper sticker on his call, he's an Achesonian. It's just mentioning a shared affiliation of teachers. That is all a qadri is. Now, if over time people have felt that this label leads to discord, then you should dispense with the label. You need to call yourself qadri. It's not necessary to call yourself that. If for some reason people have taken a misunderstanding this and don't realize that it's just a shared affiliation on a shared set of teachings or zikrs, and people have misunderstood and think it's some type of sect or creed, then we should minimize these labels if the labels are causing problems. But we shouldn't compromise on the reality. There's nothing wrong with people 
choosing to do zikr in the way the Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jalani taught it. And there's nothing wrong if people associate with one another, not exclusively, but associate for this reason, that, okay, you're also doing the zikr, maybe you've been doing it for one or two years, I'm trying it, I'm having this problem, you're doing the same zikr, so why didn't you help me? Just like if you have the same professor in economics, you're going to go to the student in your class. It's not sectarian that often that the IBA while the student says, Kuni Pucha. He has a different teacher. I'm going to ask help from that person who has the same teacher, the same professor, who's studying the same textbook, who has the same nisab. It doesn't mean as far as Islam goes, the IBA student of economics is as much as my fellow Muslim as the Lumskid is. But I'm going to ask for help the one who's actually studying and the same teacher that I am. That's it. And beyond that, there is no increased taluk with that person. So over, now what happens when Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jalani, Allah has so many students. People like Muhammad Ali teaching Omer, others who have spent time with him teaching others in their areas, and they often quote his name, and again they will teach the zikr that they learned from him. Not because they worship him, but because it benefited them. Just like if I take a really good course in the University of Chicago and I'm asked to teach the same course, I might use the same syllabus that my professor used to teach me. Because it worked. Because it benefited from it. And naturally that I'm more better capable to teach what I'm self-learned. I'm easier, it's easier for me to teach something that I've studied. Practice what you preach. Preach what you practice. But you must not do so in any exclusive way. So we cannot think that the zikr taught by Sheikh Abdul Qadir Zani is the only way to do amal on this verse of zikr. No, that's a bidat. Again, remember, what Allah Ta'ala has left is ijmal. You can't make it the seal. What Allah Ta'ala has left open, you cannot specify. So you cannot say, no, you must do zikr in this way, or you must do the zikr in the way that this person has written, or you must do this particular type of zikr. No. If you think that, that's a bidat. But if you say, I've chosen to do zikr in this way, and you can choose to do zikr in another way, no problem. So this is basically the concept of the practice of zikr, and how those people who practice the same zikr were sometimes labeled with a term be it Chishti, be it Shadali, be it Qadri, be it Nakshabandi, be it Suravardi. And the name really is the name of that person who designed that zikr. It's that simple. Just like when Imam Nawi calls himself Shafi, Ibn Hajar Skalani calls himself Shafi, they're not saying that I'm something special or the rest of the Muslims are not really Muslims. All they're saying is in terms of my understanding and approach to law and legal theory in Islam, I followed the usul that were originally laid into place by Imam Shafi, but actually have been contributed to and refined over centuries by countless Shafi scholars. But we just, you know, right? Now, when we say, when we do talawat of the Quran, you and I, we recite the Qur'an in riwayat hafs So if I say, why do you call it riwayat hafs This is Kalamullah. This is the word of Allah. 
Where did Hafs come from? It's Ravayat Hafs. Because he is the person who was the focal point of transmitting this Kirat. In Morocco they recite in Ravayat Warsh. And nobody has a problem with that, by the way. That everybody knows these seven Kirat are all permissible. But if somebody chooses to exclusively recite in one, it's 100% jais. I, for example, exclusively recite in Ravayat Hafs. In fact, all of you do too. You may have never known that until today. But all of you do as well. When you go next time on Umrah, in Makkah, Makarmah, Medina, Manawar, if you see there's a big size Musaf, that is the script and that is a Ruayat Tawash. You will see the black Africans and the Moroccan and Mauritanian, the North African Arabs reciting the big one. You try to pick it up, you won't even be able to figure out what's going on in there. Because the Rasmul Khat of that has been designed for Ruayat Tawash. So a few places, you will be able to figure out a lot, but there will be a few places you will be stuck. You won't know how to read it. Because you've never confronted such a Rasmul Khat before. Uh, Rasmul Khat means a type of script or a way of writing the Quranic uh, Arabic. Uh, 